Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, well, welcome back, Solar Warriors, Climate Champions. These are conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career and grow with us in this clean energy revolution here on Suncast. If Thursdays are thoughtful insights into the who of the industry, consider this the what, when, how, where, the tools of the trade, if you will. And very often, as is today, we bring you content from one of our many live broadcasts and trainings. This one in particular is coming to you from the most recent live event that we've held, which is RE+, where we partnered with the conference to bring the Power Up Media Zone to life. At the Media Zone, we interviewed industry thought leaders, personalities, executives, and founders to glean their insights about the current trends and where the industry is going. This is one such interview, and I know you are going to love it. And if you're new here, I would hope that you will subscribe to the show. I hope that we earn your attention and trust after today's conversation. Of course, you can find more than 525 additional founder stories and startup advice over in our catalog of back conversations at mysuncast.com. You will also find all of the conversations that we streamed live from the Power Up Media Zone over on YouTube. If you just search Suncast Media or if you just put in to YouTube the channel marker for Suncast Media, it's all one word, Suncast Media, you will certainly find our channel and become one of our more than 1,000 subscribers to that channel as well. For now, let's get down to business and tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical, live conversation from RE Plus here on Suncast. Hey, well, as I just said, this is one of our RE Plus replays and it's almost Christmas. So I just wanted to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in, whether you are tuning in in real time, sort of this weekend or after the Christmas holidays. Nevertheless, I'm grateful that you're here. What we're going to hear today is actually a really awesome session that we did with my friend Lauren Glickman, formerly Renewcom, now head of marketing for Encore Renewables, and the ever inimitable Mr. Tor Valenza, Solar Fred. Thanks for tuning in to hear Lauren, Tor, and I talk about the different ways that we see clients doing marketing right and getting it wrong. Some of the things that you should think about as you head into the new year. Enjoy and Merry Christmas. I'm here with some of my close friends and some of my favorite marketers in the industry. And if you have been thinking about how to leverage digital media for your marketing or, or what even that means, we will we'll pull back the veil a little bit. We'll get tactical. We'll get strategic. We'll talk about what it looks like to work from an agency perspective and what it looks like to hire an agency um, <laughs> when you go in-house. I am joined by my esteemed colleagues, Tor Solarfred Valenza and Lauren Wendy Glick Glickman. My name is Nico Johnson, and I am the host of Suncast, uh, a podcast that focuses on 
the rise of the clean energy revolution. I want to say that it is so wonderful to be back on a stage with the two of you. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I think this is what RE Plus is all about yep. and bringing us all back together. And it's just been so emotional in many ways yeah. to, uh, to, you know, take those Zoom meetings and put them to rest and actually hug someone and say hello Indeed. and have a conversation. Right Indeed. In person. Although I will say again, you know, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit, but Zoom is important. I think that's also great for your, your digital sharing. And we yeah. can talk about that later. Absolutely. So there are a lot of topics that are top of mind when folks think about their digital marketing strategy. I think if we really think about the touch point of how folks discover a brand, there are two platforms that come to mind and we'll, we can take them in whatever order you guys want. LinkedIn and Twitter. You guys probably are a little stronger on Twitter than I am. So maybe we'll go there and you can beat me up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at Solar Fred. I'm at Wendy Glick. And I'm at Nico Mayo, N-I-C-O-M-E-O. This is why I have to spell it every time. That's already a dead, dead set. You did the wrong thing. <laughs> well, and let's start there. So I think that when you have a Twitter handle, definitely it should be your brand if you can fit it in there. And if you can't, then it has to be memorable. And yes. I am the kind of perfect example of that. Everybody knows, well, not everybody, but my, a lot of people know me as Fred, but that's a whole <laughs> different story for why I chose Fred. My name is Tor. Fred is not my middle name, <laughs> but I knew if I set up my Twitter handle as at Solar Tor, people would not people would be confused. Yeah. My my parents were just really too creative with with my regular name. So I wanted to kind of reflect the the people on the roof, so I changed my Twitter handle. I mean, yeah. you can do that. Um and again, along with that, I think that it's important to have a personal brand. So, not only should your company have a company Twitter handle, mm -hmm. but your CEO should have one and they should be tweeting something differently than your company. They should be a lot more thoughtful with their tweets. Over to you, Wendy. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I'm an example of uh, a mixed brand in that Lauren. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my Twitter handle is Wendy Glick because I got my start in the wind industry and my last name is Glickman. Um, but now it has been a minute since I've been in wind. I'm almost exclusively in solar and storage, but enough people know me as Wendy Glick that <laughs> I have, uh, I can't let go of the identity, but it's also really important when you think about launching on any network, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn in that, who you want to talk to. Um, cause every type of person, business company is out there on social media on all the various platforms, even the dreaded Facebook, people are still there. Um, and so thinking about who you want to be reaching and thinking about how you get those people to be your followers, it's really easy to just get it, to get a ton of followers that don't mean anything, right. but getting the right followers who actually want to engage with you. And when you tweet, they like your tweets, they retweet your tweets, they comment on your tweets. Mm. And then when you see them in real life at the tweet up, they know who you are right. and they're excited to talk to you and meet you in real life. Yeah. That's the sign of doing Twitter correctly. Um, whereas you might, you could have a, a hundred thousand followers, but they could be bots in Southeast right. Asia, or they just could be random people that you know, aren't necessarily interested in clean energy, 
but followed you for some various reason. And that's not necessarily going to help yeah. you. So I, I would say to add to that, do not follow back automatically. Like, look who's followed you. Yeah. And if that person is, you know, something, someone relevant to you that you would, you would see their tweets and, oh, that would make sense for me. Then, then follow them back. Otherwise, you're just cluttering up your Twitter, Twitter stream you know, with, uh, with a random person that's going to be talking about basketball when you're trying to have an energy conversation. Yeah. So where on Twitter do the energy conversations happen? How does, that, how do you, how does one find them? How do, you, how do you help your clients when they're thinking about building a Twitter following or a Twitter strategy? So there are, I would say there are a couple of ways to get started. There is a robust hashtag energy Twitter conversation that I would say is happening fun, all the time. Fun fact, I, I own energytwitter.com. There you go. Whoa. Um, and so if you're really smart, you jump on something like that. But um, And then when you come to shows like this, if you're actually looking for new people, there is a hashtag around this conference that you, know, you can follow and then engage with and find people at the show. So yeah. taking online to offline, whenever there's a big moment for the industry, like passing the most historic piece of climate legislation in the history of the world. Uh, there's going to be a robust conversation around that as well and various different hashtags. There are hashtags around the different technologies that you can follow. Those are generally places I like to start. Uh, a lot of the trade associations might have some Twitter lists as well yeah. that can help you engage. Uh, those are some great ways to get started. But uh, and, and I would add that I feel like a lot of people miss the opportunity to tag people that are compatriots of them. So, I mean, a solar advocacy organization, if you're tweeting something that is helpful to them, definitely include them. If yeah. there's a thought leader or someone else that thinks that they might like what you're saying or what the information that you're putting out there. So, I mean, my Unthink Solar mission statement is to be bold for solar, stand out and educate. And I think you want to stay away from spam and you want to you know, really tune in on that message. You've got to say something strong, say something re really resonant. And, you know, you can promote sometimes, but for the most part, it's education, it's education, it's education. Yeah. I'm wondering, does Twitter have rules to follow in terms of like, like LinkedIn does, you don't want to post more than a certain time a day. I heard, uh, I've heard certain influencers say Twitter is more like the lower third on CNN. You just do it as often as they do. What do you guys think about cadence on Twitter? And we'll probably get, a, get to uh, LinkedIn after that. So I would say Twitter, the cadence is as much time as you have. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's like a threshold that you can over tweet just because yeah. the volume of Twitter users is so high and the volume of content from, you know, anything like CNN or yeah. is so high as well that, right. you know, you can't, I don't think you can oversaturate. I mean, again, if you really feel like you're hitting that threshold and you see that you're losing followers, then maybe scale it back. But in the since the inception of Twitter that I, and the number of accounts I've managed, I've never crossed that threshold. Um, the one thing I would say is that if you're going to have a Twitter account, you should plan to be active daily in some yeah. capacity. Yeah. Um, in, and if you don't have the ability to be active daily then you should be active for like at least a chunk of time during the day. So like, let's say Wednesday is your Twitter day. Again, I don't like this would be the, the floor. I would not say this is like the way to do it, but some people have to start small. Then on Wednesday, you should plan to send out 10 tweets right. like and have that be your active day. Because if you're just going to tweet once a day or once a week, 
that's I don't even want to say you're yelling into the void. I don't, it's not like a tree falling in the woods and no one no one's going to hear it. Like it's just not uh, you know it doesn't make a sound. Like <laughs> the tree falling in the wood makes a sound that no one hears. The tweet once a week is just doesn't do that either. That that being said, you know twi- tweets are there forever. Yes. Um, and you can look at back at the day's tweets and not not necessarily do your own tweet, but respond to others. And that's okay to engage in a conversation that's a little late. Um, it's great if it's 100%. on Absolutely. time. I do. That's my Twitter strategy right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not like the I'm not your average like daily tweeter. I'll, I tweet I tweet occasionally, and I'm on LinkedIn a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, but I use Twitter to follow interesting people. Right. And I use Twitter um, as a thought leader to actually meet, read, like connect with people that I can't connect with on LinkedIn. Or, and through responding to their content, right? I found that's a really, really good way. And it is a subtle marketing technique because people will, usually if you leave a thoughtful comment, people will look just like on LinkedIn, they'll look at your profile, they'll wonder who you are, they'll wonder, should I follow this person? Yep. And so that's, a, that's an alternative strategy as well for getting engagement. And engagement is something that is tricky and hard to um, nail down. I wanted to ask you, Lauren, with your clients, I know that you use Sprout Social when you guys were at Renewcom. Have you found that – I was always under the impression that using some sort of a, um, an automation tool or a management tool where it's scheduling content for, in particular, Twitter would somehow damage the, the algorithm. What's your, what's your experience with that? Um, so I've had pretty positive experiences with scheduling content out, but you have to be thoughtful in what that is. So – if you're looking to you know, share headlines or um, engage with current events, you can't pre-schedule that. Yeah. But if you, uh, so with my, where, so I, we say clients, but I am now, I am the client. I now work for Encore Renewable Energy. And so they sort of have three pillars of things that they like to talk about. So we're going to be launching a brownfields to brightfields messaging campaign. Yeah. And so that content is what I like to call evergreen. Like, yeah. so when I showcase their project on a salvage yard in Morrisville, Vermont, yeah. it, that project was commissioned over a year ago, but it's really interesting. And so if I'm going to share factoids about that particular project, and I know on Wednesdays I want to share project-specific content, I can create and schedule that content in advance. Yeah. But you have to be careful because at least, well... I don't think the clean energy industry needs to be careful on this point because I don't think we're generally saying things that are controversial. Yeah. But you don't want to, uh, if something if something terrible happens, like if a hurricane hits somewhere where your project is and you have a piece of content scheduled to highlight this beautiful project that's now like buried in water or the panels have been ripped off, like right. take that down. <laughs> like that's not the thing you want to be celebrating if it's not in a good standing. So you just need to be, I don't, nothing is ever set it and forget it, Yeah. but like you can be a little bit more efficient if you're thoughtful about it with some of those tools that allow you to schedule in advance. Yeah. I think, you know, just to transition a little bit to LinkedIn and, and longer content, I think that definitely Twitter is for brevity and for headlines and, and for small thoughts. And that can be linked to LinkedIn for longer thoughts and, and, and things like that. And the other thing that, you know, Definitely, as short attention spans as we have, things are becoming more and more visual. So if you have something that you can add to your thought that is, again, um, something that, that's eye-catching that will make people stop the doom scroll, yep. 
that's what you got to do. And usually a good GIF or a good or GIF. Yeah. I forget which one is the Jif. one. Jif. I think it's GIF. I think it is GIF. Hey, um, we could probably have a whole podcast about it. Yeah. <laughs> there are podcasts about it. Yeah. You know, that, that's great, you know, but uh, if, you, if it's original content, content, a great drone video, whether resi, commercial, or utility, that, that's always eye-catching and really fun. Yeah. You, you mentioned something, Lauren, that I want to, take, I want to make sure we take uh, time to connect on. We've got about 10, 15 minutes left. Yeah, we, we could go for an hour on this topic. You said if you, you, you said Project Wednesdays. Now, I, as a marketer, hear you and immediately see a matrix in my mind, and I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to see Lauren's content calendar. Yet most customers, most of us out here, don't have a content calendar at all. How important is a content calendar for being able to actually handle a digital media campaign? So if, you're, if your job is like TikTok producer, probably not, because that's your job, and all day long you're just creating content. If you're a normal human being and social media is a small portion of your job, then it's pretty important because you, you know, what is incredibly important and uh, I will own that now stepping into a role where social media is not my entire job, I've let it fall by the wayside without a content calendar. I don't have the time every single day to think through what should I post today. Um, But if I start at the beginning of the month and map something out and then I know Oh, on Thursday, I'm highlight. I said I was going to highlight a member of our team. On you know Friday, I was going to find a news article, and I could look at Sia has an amazing aggregated news headline service. Uh, Acor has, they send out a newsletter, the Renewable Business Daily, yeah. that has two drafted tweets at the top. That generally, if they're not promoting an Acor member, are usually <laughs> helpful to um, to repurpose. But it is, in, you know, for me, I just don't have the bandwidth to think on the spot every day what I'm going to post. Um, and so thinking through, I don't, we don't necessarily have a project Wednesday, but that is the type of idea that helps focus and ensure that I have fresh and relevant content. And I do want to piggyback on the visual that not only should you think through if you have compelling visual, but you should make sure that whatever visual like might auto populate if there's like metadata doesn't look crappy. Because yes. um, that's just a sign of really being lazy, and that will actually hurt your content. So, like, bad or not thoughtful visual is almost worse than not posting at all. So, speaking of Twitter and social media, I have to prepare for the annual tweet, tweet up. up. This is uh, sold out. It is it is sold out, and uh, some food and beverages and other things are arriving. Fantastic. Nico is going to be co-judging the RE Plus Vision. Um, yeah, we had some time to we had some time to spend on that. I think. Yeah, we got to do that. So we're going to give away an Apple Watch to the best vision. So I hope you all got it in there before five o'clock, which is, was the deadline. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beg off. But uh, thank right. you for having me here. And when and I keep calling you Wendy because of Wendy Glick. Yeah. But it's it's Lauren. It's okay. Uh, I'll just keep calling you Fred. You can. You can. <laughs> you can. Uh, that's this is what personal branding is yeah. all about, which we didn't get into. But you can. But we can talk about LinkedIn. Yeah, we will. We're gonna. All right. Thanks you. Thanks, Dor. So thank you. You can leave the headset with us. <laughs> or you can try and walk away with it. <laughs> we'll make we'll for some good Tor, content. we'll see you in about uh, 10, 15 minutes over at the Tweet Up on the other side of the Power Up Media Zone. Hey, I know you are a savvy listener. Heck, you're listening to Suncast. And you've probably, as a result, heard of a little company called SunGrow. 
if you're not using SunGrow inverters on your projects, I would love to better understand why. They are the inverter of choice for many of the EPCs that I know. SunGrow is the number one in gigawatts deployed. They've got the top bankability in the industry. Hexsolve uses them for the majority of their projects. And you may not even know, but SunGrow has the largest R&D team in the power electronics industry. These three key points alone have convinced most of the major U.S. developers to prefer SunGrow. They now experience a diversified supply chain, local service team, patented containerized product, all with their seamless, pain-free commissioning. Look, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So why spend all of your cycles on what inverter to use when the largest EPC in the land has already done the heavy lifting for you? You can have their same experience for your projects. See how at mysuncast.com forward slash sungrow. Hey family, one quick reminder here that if you haven't yet joined Resource Labs, you are missing out. It is our outstanding community. It's the evolution of Suncast, moving from presentations, you listening to us talk, to conversations, our community involved in conversations as varied as powering Australia, to green hydrogen, to crypto, and so many other things. Our newsroom is full of great insights. The main chat and even our RE Plus Where to Party At channel have been popping off. We've got more than 100 folks enjoying the community, and I would invite you in. You can do that at mysuncast.com forward slash community. Come see how Resource Labs can help you grow your influence, impact, and income. See you inside. So, Lauren, a couple of things that I want to talk about we talked about content calendars and Twitter. I want to talk about LinkedIn, audio and video and repurposing content. Let's try to cram those into 10 minutes. Let's do it. All right. LinkedIn. Love it. I think that LinkedIn is such an underutilized asset. Which is great. It should stay that way, which makes me much more influential there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one go on LinkedIn. And and it keeps the cost of paid media low. So right? low. But it's so, it's you know, so I see folks that say, oh, paid media on LinkedIn is expensive. But if you have a client who's return on paid media is in the thousands of percent because it it's brings, astronomical. Yeah, it is astronomical. You can spend a thousand dollars on LinkedIn and make $10,000 in response, but you have to be able to set it up and track it correctly. So that's how, the, and how would you suggest one do that? So again, so again, if you're spending a thousand dollars, you should learn how to do it yourself because paying for an outside agency to run a thousand dollars worth of LinkedIn ads that it's going to cost you more. Um, there are some digital ad agencies that will actually only charge you a percentage of what your ad spend is. And yeah. so if you can find one of those, then that might make sense. So if you're spending $1,000, they'll take, you know, 150 of it, which again, they're not likely to take something that small on, yeah. but like that's sort of the formula. But they'll then set you up because one of the big things is that on LinkedIn, you can track conversions um, and you can generate leads. And so if you're tracking conversions, then you'll know. So like, let's say you were running ads to drive registration to RE+. Yes. As an example, that if someone clicks on your LinkedIn ad and then gets to the final page that says, you're registered, LinkedIn will actually, it like creates a sandwich. When they create the first click, that's yeah. the bottom slice of bread. They go through the registration process. That's all the meats and topping. And then when they finish it, the top slice gets on and LinkedIn tracks that as a conversion. And if registration for the show is $600, then you'll know 
that $600 came from that ad. And the cool thing is if someone clicks on that ad, starts the registration process, gets distracted, comes back three days later and finishes it, it still has that pixel yeah. that knows that they started as a LinkedIn ad. And so you that's, that's the clearest way to track your ROI. Yeah. But then with the lead generations where I've run ads to set up meetings mm-hmm. at conferences like RE+. And so then you know that you got X meeting because yeah. that person requested it on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then when that meeting result in a multi-million dollar deal, that thousand dollars you spent on LinkedIn is nothing. Yeah. I remember you telling, and, and it was, uh, it, it was illustrative for me and I've told the story to others. You telling the story of how you had, you got one of your clients, you booked them solid with, I think a $5,000 ad spend yeah. on get a meeting with our client yep. on LinkedIn. And everyone was, uh, they were amazed, right? They were like, yeah, you made it really easy. And it was so, we knew we wanted a meeting with you and it was top of mind. And it's really, the other interesting thing is that on LinkedIn, there are lots of groups that are very targeted towards this show. So there's a conference group. I haven't actually, there used to be one for what we formerly called Solar Power International. Um, Imagine it's now been rebranded for RE+. There are groups for SIA and SIPA members who are again, likely to be attending this show. So you don't actually have to cast the widest net possible to find these people because they've already self-identified. And LinkedIn is now taking a renewed interest in what was once a failed experiment in groups. And if you haven't noticed, every time you open your feed on LinkedIn now, a group is at the top of it. Groups are the best. Usually not necessarily the group that you want to be at the top. I can never figure out how that works. But groups are back. Groups are working in pretty interesting ways. You know, one of the things that we've discovered is at least for us on the East Coast, we'll talk a bit about cadence. There's kind of like when to post on LinkedIn and how often to post. There's certainly on LinkedIn like a, a golden hour that you want engagement, people to like it and respond. And there are ways that we can go into much more detail on how to push people into, or I'll say like encourage people to engage with your content. But you've got kind of a four hour window I found on LinkedIn where that post kind of lives and then, and then dies. And it can come back around if people sort of, if they find it by almost pure luck or if the right influencer engages Commented. with it and comments with it in particular. But so there's the one hour and then the four hour. And then I think that I've seen, you're kind of the max that you want to post on LinkedIn is twice a day. Whereas we were saying Twitter, it can be just a, a vomit thread of information. LinkedIn, you have to be really conscious and curate. And that's where the content calendar also comes in really helpful for LinkedIn. Absolutely. Um, I would say that that twice a day is the sweet spot. And then I would yeah. say if you have something that's like breaking news, yeah. that's really valuable. You can break that. But like if you're really just sticking to, you know, your messaging yeah. and your core, like, you know, Again, I'll go back to it. if Congress passes a historic piece of climate legislation and you've already posted twice for the day, yeah. celebrate post that. Post again. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of time of day, we have found that a failed strategy is posting at the end of the day because you finally remembered to do it. And a winning strategy is posting at the beginning of the day because you planned to do it. Sometime between for us, 6.30 Eastern and 10.30 Eastern seems to be the sweet spot. I always used to think that it was between 11 and 2 and it's not. I'm curious if you, if you had any. So I would say that it's really good that you know that, but I wouldn't say it's a universal truth. Yeah. So there might be some accounts where 11 to 2 um, are better. Yeah, and, you we're, know, and, I'm, and we're talking Eastern time. Post, yeah. yeah. Um, it just really, it depends on your audience. So I have found, uh, I've previously and currently do a little bit of work with RISE, Women of Renewable yeah. Industries and Sustainable Energy. And their community 
is like the most active at 5 p.m. Eastern. Wow. Wow. And it's like nuts. Their email rates are, open rates are higher. And you everything. do have to test it. We've but tested. you have to test it. That's the big thing. And, you know, and you can't just test it once. Like just because something performs well once at 5 p.m. Yeah. doesn't make that the universal truth for your mm. particular audience. So I would say, you know, play around with it a little bit. And then if you find something's working really well, stick with it. Because then people come to expect they probably expect to hear from you they do. by 10 a.m. And if they haven't, then they move on to other things. Yeah. Well, they, and they also expect to hear from us on email, which we don't have time to get into, which is not new media, but it's ab- absolutely digital media that matters from a marketing perspective on every Thursday when we release our podcast. I wanted to, we, I would be remiss if we left podcast and audio and visual, audio and video out of this conversation. So we can let's leave video out, but let's talk leave, about audio. We can leave video out, but video <laughs> truly, like, I mean, we're, we're moving to video. I know. And, and Suncast, I would say it's like by 2023, we'll be video first. So it is a big component, not the least of which, because you can more easily break content down into repurposing content, which I would spend another hour with you on. If you have video content, it's harder to repurpose audio content. Audiograms don't really get traction but for us. But they look so cool. They look so cool with the sound thing moving. And what do you say when a client says to you or said to you, hey, I want to start a podcast? Don't do it. No. That's um, what I said. I would say, well, you know, but also people would say, I got clients who said, we should be on TikTok. No, you, we shouldn't. Unless you're Sia, you're doing a great job on TikTok. I'm not going to throw shade <laughs> on you. But in general, you know, people, podcasts are really trendy, but also, you know, video was really trendy for a while too yeah. when there were like 30 minute, you know, videos that just went viral and people yeah. were like, we need a 30 minute. No, you don't need a 30 minute video. So I would tell someone, it, so why do you think you need a podcast and what are you hoping to accomplish with the podcast right. and what are the resources you have available to produce the podcast? Exactly. Because... All of this that happens up here doesn't just happen magically, <laughs> like a lot of work and planning and people and hours. So while, you know, yes, you can register a feed and have a podcast go live for free, yeah. the, the content that goes on that feed is not free, at least not in terms of if you value your time, which you should. And then second, podcasts are not, it is not a, if you build it, they will listen. No. <laughs> so, I mean, and you could probably speak to this more as someone who has produced more podcasts than I have, but you really need to have a clear vision for what you want to be saying. So Absolutely. I have worked on two podcasts and both of them, I would say are very successful to the, they're still alive. I'm not involved with them anymore, but clean capitals experts only had a very clear vision that they wanted to talk about the intersection of energy, finance and innovation and an engaged and, following and an enga- and, and John it's powers really is extremely charismatic. If you haven't met him, he's here wandering around somewhere, shake his hand, say hello, you'll buy whatever he's selling. And then Hannon Armstrong recently launched a podcast called Climate Positive. Very excellent podcast. Um, and, but both teams invested a lot of time and resources into, resources. and resources, and when I say resources, money, <laughs> people, yeah. audio equipment, like they didn't just open an iPhone and start a conversation. Yeah. And they were also booking guests and having interview outlines and doing research. They're both incredibly thoughtful. And so they have, and they said something unique. Yeah. Um, I would love, I mean, I have joked with Nico at Salt Lake City. I hosted a conversation that became a podcast. And I was like, living the dream, my first podcast hosting gig. And he was like, you want to host a podcast? I was like, yeah, sure. Why? You know, but. I don't have the time or the resources and nor do I think I have anything that's like particularly additive to be launching my own podcast. But, um, and most companies don't. 
Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. A branded podcast, I can tell you, nobody cares about. Like, nobody cares about it. I've had numerous brands. We're going to be launching a podcast in the new year that is partnering with a very well-known brand. And they came to us and they said, help us launch a podcast for our company. And I said, nope, not going to do it. Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to care. And they said, well, we think that we have a lot to say. I'm like, you do have a lot to say. And we worked out a strategy for that. But what they haven't done yet, and this is where most people miss the mark, is there's a guy, Aviv, uh, Aviv Shalgi came by from Simplified Solar. And I think he does this really well. You want to find people with a platform. Don't try to build your own platform if you're just starting out. I took, it took me seven years to build a following on Suncast to be able to put this together, which took three years to, to put together, in quotes, and six months of weekly planning to pull off. Why? Like, that's not your core business. That's our core business now. But I see people time and time again, they're like, oh, we think we're going to launch a podcast and it'll be fun and we'll get our, and it'll help our, our executives get known. No, it won't. What will help your executives get known will be get them on my podcast, get them on Experts Only. Book them on get a them, podcast. Yeah, get them on Factor This. Get them on uh, if the, the Wood Mac podcast if you can. Help them become known by leveraging other people's platforms. I think that's the biggest misnomer for podcasts and how, and how popular it has become. And uh, that's another thing that actually with video, people are like, oh, we should create video. And I'm like, with others. Create video with others because you want to leverage their platforms to be seen. Everyone wants to be heard and be seen, but you don't have to create your own audience to be heard and be seen. You can leverage the folks around you to make that happen. And I would say on the booking your CEO or subject matter experts on podcasts or at for speaking engagements, there's nothing podcast hosts love more than getting a really awesome person sent their way to be on their podcast. So true. Yep. Uh, and so, and the she thing knows it, because she's, she's booked at least 20 people on my show. I book a lot of people on podcasts and every single time the podcast host is so thrilled yeah. to like have a compelling person. And once you book your compelling CEO, then you have a link to them being compelling that you can yeah. share with another podcast host. And so that's really, I'll give one more tidbit too that you do really well. You and Peter do really well and you do it in email template form and like formal booking agencies will do it in a one pager. But if you really want to go out and get leverage and be on other podcasts, you have to be really, really clear about why their audience should give a bleep about you. Seriously. I have so many people message me and they just like, it's a, it's a template email that says our CEO is the number one CEO thought leader of community solar. Cause it's the thing I can tell you how many community solar companies want to be on Suncast even though I've done a community solar series. And then you ask and them, what is community exactly. solar? And everyone has a different answer. And, and it's literally just them saying, here's why we should be on your show. No. One pager that tells me who you are, why anybody should care about your company, and what one thing my audience is going to take away from your thought leader as our guest that we're giving our platform, usually for free, as a place for them to be heard, right? And if you can do that in an email or a one pager... And as a bonus, give me three questions that I can ask your guest that themselves are thoughtful and take the work out for me. I can almost guarantee you're going to at least get a prep call and get, a, and get a response back. And then I would add to that is that don't be afraid to be pleasantly persistent if you don't <laughs> hear back from your first pitch. Yeah. Because uh, pleasant persistence will get you everything in this yeah. industry. And 
listen to the podcast that you're p- pitching to be on and flattery also will get you everywhere so if you listen to the most recent episode even if you don't like it compliment the most recent episode that you listened found it amazing and this is and flattery will get you everywhere in life and podcasting and booking working with journalists it's true i'm a sucker for marketing for flattery flattery is it's great if you're college students thank your professors like you know, yeah. that'll get you good grades. Like just flattery is the key to success. So we have uh, actually created from the numerous people who have outreached from professional booking agencies. We kind of took the best of all worlds and created a, like an ideal one pager that we send out. So if anybody wants a copy of that for your clients, feel free to reach out. And we're going to publish this on Suncast too for our listeners to hear. And we give that out for free because I want to help other podcasters not receive shitty pitches. I want to receive good pitches. And uh, it's really good to be able to get great guests on the show. Focus on getting on other shows, not creating your own. It's music for your ears. Everyone's on the go listening to podcasts. So, Well, I have really enjoyed the 35 minutes that flew by. The tweet up is about to be in full swing. Mr. Tor, Solar Fred Valenza as our host. Over the next 30 minutes, Tor and I will be judging your vision tweets. Hopefully you sent yours in by 5 o'clock to qualify for that Apple Watch. And uh, we'll announce it here right before we start the Daily Roundup, or maybe at the Daily Roundup as we kick off. I'll have you and you'll come up tour, and you can announce who wins the Apple Watch as we start the Power Up Media Zone Daily Roundup, which will come out in about 25 minutes. We are produced by Suncast Media and presented by Fluence. We're also live streaming at suncast.live. Please bookmark that so you can watch it whenever you're walking around the trade show floor and just put in your ears and you can listen to our sultry voices just like everyone else when you're washing dishes you're listening to podcasts or on your flight home on your flight home that's right on your flight home i'm joined by my esteemed colleague lauren wendy glick glickman on twitter wendy glick any other uh handles you want to share um just lauren glickman on linkedin but i as a now VP of Marketing at Encore Renewable Energy. So really exciting solar and storage developer based in Burlington and expanding. They give normally underlooked pieces of lands a second act or an Encore as renewable energy generation projects. So check us out. Thanks for joining us live here at the Power Up Media Zone. Let's go enjoy the tweet up. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to today's live stream replay from RE Plus Power Up Media Zone. I want to thank once again the sponsors who helped make the Media Zone possible, in particular, Fluence, who is our presenting sponsor, and our wonderful supporting sponsors as well who contributed to the show. Thanks again to RE Plus for trusting us with half of your booth on the show floor. And thanks to each and every one of you who not only showed up here for this replay, but who showed up live on the show floor to help create that audience atmosphere and give us that feedback right from the show floor. I'd love to know what you learned from this conversation. If you'd go to mysuncast.com and click on the episode notes page, you'll find a link to the show notes for this episode right in your podcast player in the description. We always link to it. And in that show notes page, you'll easily find links to all of our social media. Would you take a moment and go on to LinkedIn, find the post that we've made for this episode, and let us know what you thought about this one in particular. I know that the guests would love to hear your feedback and I would love to know how we can make this a more enjoyable experience for you or where exactly this landed and resonated for you. How does this episode help you push forward in your 
career, your business, your journey in this clean energy revolution. If you want to enjoy even more conversations like this, well, not only do we live stream the whole RE Plus event to our YouTube channel, which is also easily findable there in the show notes page, but we have more than 525 episodes, resources, highlights from all these discussions, along with social media links and each guest's book recommendations, their insights, and so much more over on our website at mysuncast.com. If you've been wondering how you could partner with Suncast, like one of our sponsors did for this live event, or like our many partners throughout the year have partnered on our mini episodes and our custom Tactical Tuesday episodes, or if you'd like to just inquire about potentially having me look at your business through the coaching lens or as an advisor and investor and help scale your clean energy business, well, you could find out how to do more of all of that by going over to mysuncast.com. We try to make it a little easier for you to find the path that meets your needs as you scale your personal and professional journey in the clean energy economy. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.